When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. Pluto. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Schmodown Rundown. Introducing first. What's up, Movie Trivia Schmodown fans? Welcome to the Schmodown Rundown, the official episode of the Movie Trivia Schmodown. My name is Brad Gilmore, but you might know me by another name. You might know me as... The Boat. Hashtag best of all time. Hashtag Brad's opinion is true. Hashtag book life. Hashtag I'm on a boat. Or I wrote a book. Hashtag I wrote a book. <laughs> so good. And joining me in sunny California, LA baby. He is the one. He is the only. He is... West Coast Frank! Da, 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 da. That's right, oh, baby. look at him. That's look right. Look at him. Look at look this. Look at him. It's no longer West Coast Frank. It's West Coast Frankfurt. He's joined, <laughs> he's joined the German brigade. Das, he shaved das, the head. Das, das. Yeah. It's not a full shave, but uh, no. it's, it's definitely no, it's clip, clippers. It's looking like a three, yeah. maybe. A three guard. What'd you go with? It's a three. It was a three. It's a three. I know my, I normally, I know, I know my guards. Yeah, I normally get a, just a three on the sides and, you know, a little scissor action on the top. That's a weird sentence. So, <laughs> this time it was just clippers all the way uh, <laughs> all the way around. So, yeah. <laughs> a little scissor action, huh? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, we're starting off hot and yeah, uh, we heavy are. early. <laughs> Oh my lord! Um, well, what's going on, West Coast Frank? How, how's everything treating you over there? Everything's going pretty good, I guess. You know, uh, I got uh, I've been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, and so it's been a great way to occupy just all of my time. Uh, so I've been playing that intensively, and it's great because now I don't, I don't even you know realize what's going on in the real world, which is nice for a change, to tell you the truth. So. 
Yeah, I, I see. I see that it would be a nice distraction to be away from all the craziness. Um, uh, and it's nice to see that you haven't fully lost your mind like some other people on this channel. Right. <laughs> you didn't go the full the full shave. You went the partial shave, and you haven't fully lost your mind yet. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure that we'll cover the flirt and flouse at some point in the show, and uh, we'll talk more about this. But, you know, Frank, this week we're going to talk about the match that was – we're going to talk about a couple of things that are going on in the movie TV showdown. We got a lot of, of, of listener questions that we're going to get through. They were submitted on the Facebook group. That's the movie TV showdown Facebook group. If you want to have a question answered, um, maybe next week sometime, you know, throw it out there and maybe we'll get to it. Uh, probably won't. Probably forget. But um, <laughs> where should we start? Should we start with the match that we saw? Should we start with where? Where should we start? Yeah, I think we should start with the match just because you know it's going to be the shorter segment for sure this week. Because uh, it's one of the shorter matches we'll ever get. Yeah, we, we've been waiting for it for what seems to be an eternity. The The draft was in what? In January? The second week of January, I believe. Uh, at the World Famous Comedy Store. And we had heard all this speculation about the spider, Robert Parker. He was hyped up even before the draft um, as, a, as an incoming rookie to have your eye out for. And then we go into the draft. Kaiser takes him. He's an inner geekdom player. I remember even you and I were kind of like, why is Kaiser taking another IG player? He's already got the, already got the IG champion. And uh, then we kind of figured out what Kaiser's strategy was. And then the hype just continued to build. I thought that we were going to see Robert Parker like first first week of the season just because there's so much build and hype amongst him. Now we are in the you know almost the third week of April. And we're finally getting to see the one and only Robert Parker, the spider, the man that you and I spend an evening with that I will never forget a man who's a magician who in Atlanta bum rushed the stage and said he was taking out the IG division and we finally saw him we finally saw him versus Ace Cabrera and you know here's the thing how do we talk about this Ace he didn't do a terrible job really right I mean as a lapsed competitor who hadn't been around since I don't know was it the fifth season Second season. Second season. Second season. Oh, wow. Yeah, second season. I thought, he said, I thought they said the fifth. The second season. So that's a pretty big layoff for a player, and yeah. especially in IG. That's like an eternity. Well, I mean, um, when he played, IG wasn't even a thing. It was back it in the wasn't even a thing. studio. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it's definitely a, a learning, a stiff learning process for Ace Cabrera uh, this this time around. But he was able to um, go in there, and I thought he did, he did all right. I mean, he did, I think what I would expect out of a player who's that lapsed in the movie trivia Shimona, especially going into IG, which is perhaps the most competitive league in the entire movie trivia Shimodown, the, the inner geekdom division. And um, you know, he put in a good effort, but it wasn't an effort that could take that could put him in championship contention anytime soon, in my humble opinion. And then you're going up against a Robert Parker who's much hype. Everyone's ready for the debut. And the thing was, the pressure was on Robert Parker to deliver. And boy did he. I mean, the man, he, it was insane. It was insane. Tell, tell me what you thought opening up, going into this, what were you expecting to see? Were, were you there when this match was taped? Give me all the details. Yeah, I was not there for this for this match, but... You were out West Coast Franken, though. Yeah, right. I was still Midwest Frank. Uh, oh. coming, coming into this match and coming out of the draft, you know, I was very excited to see Parker. Hearing a lot of talk from other... Inner Geekdom players, they knew 
who Robert Parker was, what he had done, what he had accomplished. You know, you saw in the promo package there that, which was great, by the way, before this match, that Parker had played Smets in the fan leagues. Now, Smets will tell you that Kevin Smets, who played Robert Parker in the fan league match, is a completely different player than he is today. So, and and by the way, he was TKO'd. Uh, Parker did TKO Smets. So, fast forward, you know, a year and a half, whatever, how long that was ago, to, to last December, Smets is now... IG champ, and he went perfect in his match against Kalinowski, and it was a knockout as well. So, vastly different players, but Parker, I heard it from Smets, you hear it from Brandon Hanna, you hear whispers from about it from, you know, the likes of Rachel Cushing. The big players in the IG, you know, just knew who he was and what he was capable of, and poor Ace, when, when I saw his name again, on the schedule, going up against Robert Parker in the debut match. You know, Parker is not your normal run-of-the-mill rookie. And he's not... Right. I, I, you can't even really compare him to Kevin Smets, really, in regards of debut, because of the hype that surrounded that surrounds Parker. Smets didn't have that. Parker, as we saw from this match, is clearly coming into the Schmodown at a completely different level than even Smets did. Smets didn't pitch a perfect first game in his match. Uh, Parker did, and he put, and he earned every single possible point. Which is real quick. Let me get get into that because I've seen I've seen some comments about well Smets he went perfect and earned all his points except he bet two in the betting round, not three. And let me just say. The way that I and because I also put out the Intergeekdom record book last last week, so some people had some questions on. Well, Smith didn't bet three. How can he have a perfect um, perfect match when he didn't bet three? And so my reasoning behind that is a couple of reasons. One, the point value does not dictate the difficulty level of the question. The question is going to be the question regardless if you bet zero, one, two, or three points. You know, in the second round, it's two points. But if you go to multiple choice, it's down to one because you're kind of lowering the difficulty level in terms of how to find the answer. So that makes sense. And then when you get to the final round, two, three, five-pointer, the difficulty, while it is subjective in nature, is still on a level of a two or three or a five-pointer. The betting round's not like that. So that's why I don't count it against a player who doesn't bet three but still gets it right if they bet two or one points. However, you can make the case that there could be a quote-unquote better, perfect, perfect round where someone bets three and an inner geekdom, let's say, and now that perfect, perfect match is just one point better than Smith's perfect, perfect, even though they're both perfect. You know, you see what I'm saying? So it's yeah. really I mean, it's it's, it's it's one of those, like, you know, technicality kind of things yeah. it's yeah, yeah. it's like you know well you know he answered every one of his questions right but he missed a steal so is it still a perfect game well yeah i mean he got all of his questions right so i think yeah. it's a perfect game um right that's why i don't hold like that's why i don't hold the person who got a one point i don't hold it against them that they didn't have the opportunity for two, two, uh, for two. they do, they weren't able to dictate that um even though they kind of in a way dictate round three but like i said the difficulty of the question remains the same whether you bet zero one, two, or three points. So right. uh, that aside, I will say Parker is 
an absolute beast, and we saw it here on full display. He does have the first perfect, perfect match for a three-round match. Smith never did that. He obviously just did that against Kalinowski in a five-round match. So those are two different records, but um, it's it's impressive in your debut match. And let me say this about Ace. You're right. I, I don't think he played terrible. It just no. he got exposed on Harry Potter because if if you follow Ace's work, especially with like Jedi Council, you know he's very knowledgeable in Star Wars. So what happens if he gets Star Wars in that second round? It becomes a much more competitive match, I think. You know, he probably doesn't get knocked out. TKO's debatable. But Ace put up seven points in the first round. That's not terrible, but it's, you know, not the best. You're, you're, in Inner Geek, you want to be at eight or nine or more likely going perfect because that's what it's going to take to, to, to vie for a title. So Ace, I thought, this demonstrated a very solid base of knowledge that first round, the seven points. And he just got exposed with Harry Potter. Um, and it could just have been th- those five questions that just got him that day. But nonetheless, it, it you know, that's not going to win you titles either. But I, I thought it was a middle-of-the-road performance for Ace. Yeah, and, and it just so happens. It's, it's kind of like um, if you were to have your rookie debut in the league, right, in the, in the, in the NBA, and you went 29-6. and six. It's like, hey, that's a pretty good stat line. But then uh, LeBron's on the other end, and he went forty-one, you know, fifteen and seven. And you're like, oh, this guy right. sucked. Yeah. That you know, yeah. com- in comparatively speaking, but you still had a pretty good debut. You still had a good night. You still had a, a good run at it. And it's something to remember for your stat sheet. Maybe you can come back and and when you're not playing a monster, uh, you can have a better showing and and and, and you know go on. It, it's, it's always weird though, because you see this in fighting a lot, and I just wonder how competitors in the schmodown feel is there's always that that difference in the level of competition like sometimes you'll see a, a UFC fighter i was actually looking at highlights randomly of a guy named Brendan Schaub who used to be a fighter in the UFC and now he's a, a podcaster and stand up comedian but he used to be a fighter and he was in the heavyweight division and he was good like he wasn't bad like he was pretty good it's just he was never going to be good enough to to be the champion yeah. He was never going to be good enough to be in that top three conversation or top five conversation, even though I think he was ranked third in the world. But you know what I'm saying. He wasn't going to win the title. And I just wonder for the competitors out there, because Ace is great, but if Ace plays the same every single time, maybe even marginally improves, he's he's going to be good. He'll, he'll be a good Intergeekdom player, but he's not going to be the champion. He's not going like, to beat Kevin Smets. He's not going like to beat an, uh, even a Robert Parker. Like an Adam Lavick. You look at those guys, good, right. and they can and they can... I mean, if they hit a slice and they can knock it out of the park. But, you know, Adam Lavick is hovering around 500. So, could... So, my, you know. my, I guess my question, though, is, you know, what's... I don't know. I, I don't want to say what's the motivation of playing. That's the wrong thing to say. But, like, if you are one of those players, I guess, yeah, what's your motivation? Like, if your motivation isn't to win the title... Yeah. And it's just to play game, play matches. I mean, I guess that's fine, and, and, the, and right. the league needs that because obviously not everybody's going to be a champion. Uh, that this game isn't promised everyone to be a champion. But um, I, I just don't know what you're doing if you can't win that title. Right? You know so what I, I mean? Think, I know 100. percent And I think first and foremost, it comes down to: Are you or are you not a competitor? Just in general, like, mm-hmm. are you in? Do you like competition? Now, 
is if the answer is yes, do you like competition because you know you can win? Or do you like competition because you'd like to see if you could win? Because if you if you like competition because you because you know you'll win, well, I don't think, really think you're in for the competition. You're you're just going in right. there because it's a sure thing, and you don't want to look stupid, which I understand, but you don't want to look silly or dumb or whatever. But I think first and foremost, if you are a true competitor, you will go into every match thinking or believing maybe I have a shot because you never know what can happen. And you really can't in in, in, in the Schmodown, you really never know what can happen. And things can change quickly. The impossible things could happen. We've seen it happen, you know, a dozen times before in the Schmodown. So yes, the the motivation is you know, when you look at someone like Eric Zipper or incoming players like Chance or even Paul Yama, uh long time players like Adam Lavic, the the argument is, well, what's the point? I'll never beat so and so. I could never. Why even bother? I think that's a that's a negative way to look at it. You know, uh, it's like, look, this Bulls documentary, The Last Dance, coming up this weekend. It's like if you're every other NBA team during that time, it's like, why bother? I don't. They're gonna win. They're too good. They, they went seventy-two and ten in the regular. What's the point? The point. It's because you're a competitor. You have that competitive fire in that nature. And if you've lost it, and you once had it, and you've lost it because you see other people enter the league, that's understandable. But I think you should try and recapture that fire uh, because not only does it, I think it just it's just beneficial to the league. And it's you know you want to go out there and put a good show for the fans. And at the end of the day, it's all about having fun. And if you're just in it because you know you don't want to go into a match because you're afraid to lose, you know, then, then that's a whole nother can of worms, I think. Yeah, no, I see where you're coming from. And, and I agree. I, I think that you know going into the NBA season, one person is going to be the champion. And there are probably 20 teams that don't even have a shot right. at making it. Um, but they still go out there and play because, you know, you're playing the long game. I and guess, you love I the guess game. Is a good and you play because you, you love, love the, the game. game you know? Yeah, yeah. You have a passion for the game. Obviously, you want to play. I guess I just come from that thing of you see it in wrestling all the time. Is I see somebody come in the locker room and I'm like, "What are you doing, brother?" Like, you know, and no, no one right now, thankfully, on the reality wrestling roster. But we've had people come through over the years and audition or try out or sign up for the school. And I'm, and it's like I, I want to have the conversation with them and saying, "Hey, man, like, I don't want to be the dream killer here, but right, you're already 35. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're trying to break in." Yeah. Maybe not the best idea. If you just want to do it for fun, that's one thing. If you're doing it to try to actually make a go of it, that's another. And um, I don't know. I just that was a that was a conscious thought that I had when I was watching this match of like just the disparity between the the top tier level yeah. of people in this league and in the the bottom. Um, like like all, all in all honesty, I feel like I could go in there with people who are at the lower end of the spectrum in the league, and I'll have competitive matches, and I might beat a couple of people, like just like no training, nothing. I, that's what I feel like. But then I know when I see the champions of the league, and I see some of that upper echelon tier, the Ben Batemans, the um, uh, the the John Rokos, the Dan Merles, the Bibianis, the Andrakos, the Snyders. I mean, even the people who aren't champions currently. Um, I know that you know that's just a whole nother level of competition. And if you want to get Kalinowski's another one, and if you want to get into that, you know, you got to really go hard. And if you don't, you know, you can stay in this kind of tier you're at and chip away at people, and maybe you'll be a contender someday. 
but uh, probably not. So um, I just want to shout out Ace, though, for putting in a good effort. He yeah. just happened to go up against a, a, a monster in his debut. And, and the Spider, like I said, man, he lived up to the hype. We heard a lot of hype about Robert Parker. And I even heard, like, you know me, I don't like any spoilers. So even when this match was filmed, I heard from people like, man, like, it's a great match. And I just took that to mean this guy probably came through and killed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and yeah. Uh, he did. He did. And he absolutely crushed it. Let me say one last thing, too, because, you know, I've, got, I've gotten pretty close with Smets. And, you know, he's he's mentioned. Some people say you're Team Dungeon, by the way. I've seen this chatter online that you're biased now. Are you biased? Can you can you dispel the rumors? I don't know how they can say that when the Dungeons only play like four matches <laughs> total this year. Uh, I'm Vince just saying. I see like it. Double them, but you I haven't mean, seen it. Seen what? The chatter? Any, any of the people? The chatter? I see it. Of course, I see it. Do I have to? Do I acknowledge it? No. No. Why? Why hey, would I? What's the meanest? What's the meanest comment anyone's ever said about you online? Uh, I don't remember those to tell you the truth. Oh, what's one? What's one that like that stuck with you? Ooh, one that stuck with me. Um, you know what? Probably I can't re- remember anything specific, but it definitely they came when I was doing the stat breakdown uh, after matches. <laughs> the they were like, mm-hmm. "What the hell is this? This is boring," or what you know, stuff like that. And that's the, really the only time I can recall reading. Or myself seeing negative stuff. So, and even then, it didn't bother me because I was like, "Yeah, this stuff kind of is boring. I got to figure out a way to make it more entertaining." No, for for sure. Because stats on its own is it's just numbers on a page or on a screen. It's not very entertaining. It's not going to help you run through a brick wall or anything, you know. So, <laughs> right, <laughs> you got to. It was on me. I, I kind of took it as a challenge to try to figure out how to make it more digestible or more entertaining. So, yeah, it's still trying to. Crack that one. Um, I think the meanest one I got was actually like three days ago. Oh, yeah. But it was funny. Like, it, it made me laugh. Um, I did Roxy's show on YouTube, live at the Roxy. And, um, you know, I just after the stream was over, I was like, oh, let me go see what people were saying, you know, in the chat or the comments. Went to the comments section. Someone, someone said, this dude looks exactly like Sloth from Goonies. <laughs> I was like, geez. Wow. That's, that's a little harsh. But I mean, I he's not funny. wrong, but wow. I mean, no, obviously loud, it's you know. <laughs> identical. But, uh, you know, I was like, well, thanks for pointing it out. Right. Uh, but that, that, was, that was actually a pretty funny one. Um, but moving on, uh, you were saying you've gotten close with Smets. Yeah. Is what you were saying before I interrupted you. And you didn't yeah, expound and, upon that. Right. So he was talking about he doesn't expect Parker to miss a question. You know, he trains with Parker. You know, they're in the dungeon together, so they spar back and forth, sending each other questions. And he's like, the guy just doesn't miss. And I don't know uh, what the audience feels like after just one match, but, you know, what's the percentage of your, well, I guess you should say, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident would someone be wagering that Parker doesn't miss a question all the year? You know, I think I personally, I'd probably be at like an 8.5 on a scale of one to 10 that he doesn't miss a question. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know if you have any thoughts on, on where you would put, you know, your confidence level in that kind of wager. Hearing Smet say that he's never missed a question or he doesn't miss a question. I mean, that's yeah. pretty crazy because Smets typically doesn't miss too many questions. I mean, he's missed what? He missed like 12 six questions? last year. 12? 12 okay. last year, you know? Um, I, I don't see anyone going perfect, so I might be like right around where you are. Yeah. But, um, you know, eight and a half, 
you know, eight, maybe seven and a half, somewhere in there. Um, but that's even crazy to say. <laughs> like, there's a 75% chance he's not going to miss a question, or there's an 85% chance right. he's not going to miss a question. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of a nutty comment to make. And um, but you know, we'll see. We'll see what we'll see what he does. I think that um, we, we're going to get into some questions here in a little bit, and there, we'll, I guarantee you there's going to be more Robert Parker talk, especially when it comes to Kevin Smets. But just overall, yeah. hell of a debut, kid. Uh, you took Ace Cabrera to the only place that you know where. You took him to Pound Town. <laughs> I, I will say this too about I think Parker's little gimmick of walking around the table before he sits. I thought it was great. Mm, I yeah, think it's a great yeah. There. Uh, I like how he's and dressed he up, up too. You know, pocket watch. Yeah. Well, didn't he have a pocket watch? Yeah, he had a pocket watch, didn't he? Yeah, it's pocket watch. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, I yeah. don't know how functional nice. and useful pocket watches are anymore because it is in 1867. But I do like the style of it. It's pretty sweet. You yeah, know? yeah. It's pretty I sweet. Think it's the aesthetic appeal to it. Yeah. The aesthetic. Yeah. You know, do you think the spider is still a good nickname for him? I mean, I don't. I don't know. Just because, like, his name is last name is Parker. Parker. You, you came up with Spider, which is like okay, I guess. Because I think in the families he was the Hobbit, which makes a little bit more sense because he's kind of a he's a smaller shorter, dude. You know, shorter dude. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe you know. Spider is a cool nickname in general, but does it well, you know, suit you? I don't one, know. You know, one of the greatest UFC fighters of all time, is Anderson, like Anderson the Spider Silva, uh, is one of the greatest yeah. you know MMA fighters of all time. So I mean, I guess it's on par. I still like the Magic Man. <laughs> he could just come out with a deck. Well, of that's cards. actually Mark Bernardin, the Magic Man. Oh, is that's Mark right. Bernardin. Yeah, that's right. Haven't heard that name in a while, have we? <laughs> well, you know, he's not in the league anymore. Yeah, I know. He? But I mean, he's he might be draft, able to. But he, Sign the transfer. Sign the pink slip. Transfer it over. You know, transfer it over. You know what I mean? <laughs> do like a number swap. Like Brady's yeah. gonna have to do. Right, right. You know, like figure it out. Just Wait, figure it out. Could you imagine like a cutscene where someone wants a nickname and they have to like sign? You know, like the transfer papers. Like you know, it's a cutscene. That might be. It would be funny. I just don't know if the spider fits him, unless you know, in the match, like right before, you know, during, like when it gets to the championship round or it gets to the third round, glasses off. What if, what if, you know, you know oh, what I mean? Man. Like tears cool. for the people just listening, you know, tears yeah. off his suit, yeah, put, yeah. pulls over the hood and he's Spider-Man or a Spider-Man-like cool. character. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. That That'd would be, be pretty cool. cool. And we'll it'd be inner geek to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like it. Um, now, before we get to any of these questions, because again, just a shout out to Robert Parker on a phenomenal debut. Um, there was a, a, a classic moment. They've been uploading some cl- throwback classic moments on the, on the um, SEN channel, on the Shimoda Entertainment Network channel. One of them is a moment that many people regard as one of the greatest of all time. Uh, it was one of the early live events. I don't know if it was the first one or the second one. Maybe the second one? Second or third, maybe even. Second or third? I can't recall. Yeah. But um, it was the first one that I remember, at least, having one of these you know, MCU-style cutscenes at the end, right? The after the credits right. know, moment. And it seemed to be kind of a thing that continued on throughout all the live events. And this one was very cool. This was the Five Horsemen reveal. This was in Los Angeles, California. Frank Janish, you were there in person for this. I saw it on video. Um, I recently heard Dan Merle discuss it, but go ahead. T- talk to me about this moment of the Five Horsemen reveal and, and why you think that is so fondly remembered. So Dan Merle had been away from the game for a long, a long time. Right. Well, not a long time, but, you know, a decent amount of time. He, he retired, right, after he lost to Christian. 
uh, for the for the singles title. He retired there. It's kind of surprising everybody. So he's away from the game, and at this point, in the lead up to the reveal, we we were seeing the emergence and the rise of Andrew Guy, and he was claiming that he beat Dan Merle. Dan Merle is gone. He's dead. Blah blah blah. You know, he stole Dan Merle's quote unquote stole Dan Merle's spot. The free for all. He entered into his music. Um, there's a great reaction video i think late to the party had it where the people they were at a bar you know got got a group together watching the free-for-all and they hear the jaws theme dan that's what dan would come out to and there's a great reaction shot of that crowd at that bar anticipation of merle walking out and it's and it turns out it's andrew guy um you know giving the double double burrs everybody and, and screaming and hollering it was a great entrance entrance of the year some might say and then he won the, the he won the award, he did, right? right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so a um, lot might say, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, a majority would say a majority. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you you have all of that, and at that time, I think even on the show here, we were discussing you just can't talk all this smack and not pay it off in some way. And I think we always kind of thought it would happen, but we didn't know how or when. At the end of the live event, in which there's another infamous moment between Team Action and Shirewolves, that match was a great match. Um, it kind, I think it was their Shirewolves' second match, I think. And it kind of, this the reveal kind of overshadowed this match and the Giancarlo Stanton stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, but Andrew Guy had to go out there and, and cut a, a promo and kind of lead, and lead up to it, which also, when you look at it, Fake Dan Merle, played by Ben Bateman, comes out. It's a great, it's a great back and forth. It's a great scene. It is so well executed on both of their parts, uh, especially Andrew Guy, because he knows what's coming. He knows what's coming. Although he does not know, eventually he would beat Dan Merle. In his mind, I think I'm thinking at least he's calling out Dan Merle, fully knowing that if he plays him, he's going to lose. So it's you know, but he's got to put on this great act, and he does, and, and it's phenomenal. But when the reveal finally happens, the lights go down. Matt Nose, John Roca, Jason Inman, Mark Riley all reveal themselves, all, you know, de-hood themselves uh, to a, a crazy, rowdy live live audience. The lights go down again. You hear the theme. I think it's from uh, The Shining was the one they used, if I remember correctly. And then Dan Merle pops up. Roca unhoods him, and it's Dan Merle. And now he's with the five horsemen. The five horsemen have been formed Dan Merle is back, and then he challenges, or not challenges, but more or less tells Andrew Guy, this is what's going to happen. And it's this great, you know, uh, good guy, bad guy moment coming face to face, and that crowd was just going bananas. And it was electric in in that, it was at the El, uh, El Portal. and I believe so. Yeah, it was at the El Portal, and it, it was just crazy and you know beforehand i had gotten wind like this this reveal is going to happen and even though you hear it and you're like oh that's gonna be really cool it does not compare to the execution the to the atmosphere that, that that you are then in when it happens and that place was just bananas and it it definitely is one of the greatest moments in schmodown history if not the greatest moment you know so far in the short history of the schmodown it was a great moment. I mean, I remember watching on on the um, 
uh, you know, on the stream, the, the the link whenever it went live. And uh, just seeing the hoods was cool. It reminded me of like an Undertaker, Druid kind of gimmick. And then, though, I, I really enjoyed the um, the ambiance in the crowd because the crowd is what made it a moment, right? Yeah. It, it would have been a moment had there been no crowd. Like even in a scene, it would have been a really cool scene. But the crowd's reaction to it, it made it feel like even if you didn't know anything about the movie Trivia Shimona, even if that was the first time you had tuned in and you're seeing this live event, you see these five hooded individuals and then one unhoods Dan Merle and Dan Merle's revealed and you see the reaction of the audience, you would know these guys must be a big deal here. Exactly. Right? And um, that, and, that and that's what we saw, man. That is what... Oh, sorry. sorry, my mic cut out there for a second. That there is what we saw. And um, it, it was one of those great moments that I heard Dan talk about it on the Action Industries live stream, I believe. Right. It was the action guys and um, Ben Bateman, Andrew Guy. And Dan said, I just remember being backstage. And then when they pulled the when Roka pulled the hood off me and I looked up, I just see all these lightsabers and these people going crazy. And <laughs> yeah, it's just one yeah. of those moments is like, what is happening? Because remember, this is his reintroduction to the league. And he's now seeing like the force of the fandom probably for the first time in front of an audience. And, um, and he got to feel that. And I think that then, though, that led to the most infamous match in a movie TV show in history, which is Guy versus Merle. And if you didn't yeah. hear them talk about the ins and outs of that match, it is f- fascinating to hear the two of them yeah. uh, talk about it. And the thing is, Dan has never gone back and watched the match. Why would you? He, he's never <laughs> gone back and watched it. You know, for yeah. me, I, I you know, I'm not a competitor, so I wouldn't know, but I would feel like I'd want to be like, hmm. okay, what happened? But yeah. There's all these extenuating circumstances in his side, and, and I, I don't want to spoil it if you want to go listen to it because I, I think it's definitely worth a listen for over sure. on Action Industries. But um, it, it was it was it was a crazy match, but the moment that made the match was phenomenal, and that is something that I don't think we'll ever forget. It's one of those live event ones, you know. I, I was there for um you 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 too, and Merle won the title, um, and Ethan Irwin, the whole crowd chanting, "You deserve it." And Ben, ben Bateman comes out and cuts a promo. We even, oh. I mean, there's been so many great live event moments, but but uh, that one might be might be the top of the cake, Frank Janish. But Frankie boy, I put it out on the Facebook page to um, anybody who wanted to send in a question to send in one so that we can answer it here on the rundown. We're only doing one match a week, so we got some extra time. And boy, did we get a lot of questions. We got more than I expected. So I feel like if if you're ready, I think we should run these down. Let's do it, man. All right. Here we go. This is from the Movie Trivia Schmodown Facebook page. I'm going to start with the first one first. Uh, this is from Kristen Smith. What up, Kristen? Which full season do you think has been the best in terms of the storyline and which in terms of matches? So what season was best for stories and what was best for matches? For me, I think best for story was the overarching um, story we got with Mike Kalinowski and Thad Williams and all the and anarchy came out of that, which was phenomenal. Then the reveal at the end, it was Christian all along, uh, tinkering with it. Uh, was that season five? I think it was season five. Yeah, uh, three. Yeah, five. Yeah, yeah, five. I think season five had a lot of great character moments, and that was also season five was the emergence of Andrew Guy, um, who did a lot of great character work throughout that entire season. So I think that, and then as far as matches, last year's was crazy as far as. The um, season six, as far as the competitiveness of all these matches, and you saw the emergence of great teams and great players. You saw the Kevin Smets of the world, Mike Kalinowski and Rachel Cushing series went off for a long time in that. So I think season six for the matches, season five for the story. Yeah, I'm going to say both for season five. 
season okay. five because you also had the Intergeekton tournament. You had we had three tournaments mm. that year. Yeah, we saw we had an epic match. You know, a lot of people point towards the Mark and Epic Rachel Cushing and Intergeekton in teams. You look at above the line and the Patriots that back and forth. Not to mention one of my favorite, I think one of the most well played matches of all time is. Wolves of Steel versus Above the Line in that tournament. It was it set all kinds of records at that time. Um, amazing play in singles. You know everything. You know with uh, that tournament going on because um, J- JTE and Sam Levine. You know one of these runs and obviously Sam Levine won the singles belt. Uh, so it was it's that. And then you throw in yeah the Kalinowski, the whole Thad Williams stuff. That stuff was just so much fun to watch. Those yeah. scenes were great. Um, Season five, I think, look, even last year was great too, but season five to me is just, I think, it had, the Schmodown at that point had really found its footing because season four was, you know, we had just re- introduced Inner Geekdom. Season three was the first at Collider, you know, and seasons one and two were just kind of, you know, they're just backyard trivia, basically. So season five is when I think, Schmodown finally came into its own. It was at least really starting to form its own identity with storylines and incredible matches and matchups. Um, season five is definitely the one that I, I look to the most for both storyline and matches. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a great one. Um, let's go to the next question. William the Beast Bibiani has a question for you and I. Who would win in an actual fight, Frank hmm. or Brad? Uh, he says there's no rules. And uh, who do you think? I think, I don't know. Who do you think, Frank? Yeah, I definitely think I would win easily. You think so? Yeah. yeah. Easily? Easily? I'm going to tell you what. I'm picking picking me, and I'll tell you why. Because I fight dirty. I'll claw, I'll bite, whatever I got to do. Whatever I got to do to get the job done. I'm going to walk out there with my hand raised. You know what I mean? I got, I got, I got the, I got the, I might, I probably got the reach advantage yeah. a little bit over you. I got the reach. Oh, for sure. So yeah, I can kind of yeah. dance around you. You know what I mean? Hit you from the mm-hmm. perimeter. I'll go in, I'll double leg you, I'll wrap you up like a pretzel. I got long limbs, man. You don't want these limbs. So, so first <laughs> off, first off, I'm from Chicago. That's just tell you. True. That's That's enough right there. But also that's growing true. up, I was generally the smaller guy in, in all my groups of friends. And mm. what I get picked on, sure, you know, when we get in little play fights and things like that, wrestling around. And my only advantage against the bigger guys, the taller guys, was that I was quick, that I could get mm. out of things, that I could move around quicker. So I haven't lost my touch either. So, uh, I mean, come on. Yeah, but you're a little bit older than I am. You know what I mean? A little bit slower. You know, I might take a little you, bit oh, more trauma. You want, you want to test this quickness? You want to test? <laughs> they used to call me uh, Frankie the Jet. I mean. Oh, did they really? They, they did. Really, yeah. They really Frank did. The I'm telling you. Well, you know what they so. call me? They call me the boat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Joseph Baldwin. Who finishes the year with the IG belt? Yeah. I can say this now because now, he's not here, but I'm going to say Robert Parker right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> you got Robert? I, yeah, man. I really I do. And it's, and it's because of. When I hear people talk about Parker, intergeekdom players specifically, like Smets and some others, some are more scared or worried of Parker than, you know, Kevin? than Kevin. Yeah, Kevin, I think is looking forward to the challenge for sure. Uh, and I think he would def. I mean, look, Kevin Smets and Robert Parker, I believe, are eventually going to play this year. 
no matter if Kevin defends the belt against Chandru or not, because if he defends the belt against Chandru, I think Parker's going to make his way to a title match this year. If Kevin were to lose to Chandru, Parker's going to have to play a normal contender match, and I think it'll probably be against Kevin Smets. So, I, I still think, I think everything I've heard, and just, I think it's going to be Parker, but I won't be surprised if it's Smets, though. It's one of those two guys. Yeah, I mean, hmm. I mean, if I'm going out on a limb, I'll say Robert Parker. And I say going out on a limb because, and I really only pick him because I don't want to pick Kevin Smets because he is now my mortal enemy. And um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you are a little bit too because now y'all are like a tag team, and um, and we got this Back to the Future Championship match coming up, and which I look forward to destroying all of you because I am the author oh. of Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told, a best-selling book on Amazon.com. So uh, go get it right now if you haven't already. I appreciate that review, Frankie boy. But um, I think that I think that it could be either one of those guys. I don't see – but then, you know, man, you got to factor in not only Chandra, you got to factor in Mike Kalinowski. I mean, we can't just forget about him. Yeah, he got, he got destroyed. Mm-hmm. He got destroyed at the Spectacular. There's no getting around it. It's happened to him twice in his career. And guess what happened after that first time it happened in that triple threat with JT and Rachel Cushing? He came back and he was he went on the best run of his career. And people were saying, Mikey, three belts yeah. is what we were going to get. So I can't ever count him out. But if I were to be a betting man and just seeing at him after his debut, maybe his recency bias, ah, Robert Parker, man. Robert Parker might have it. I know. It's tough. It's tough. But I eagerly await the matchup between Kevin Smets and Robert Parker. You're making a face. What's wrong, what's wrong with your face? I'm trying to I'm trying to read this person's name. So, uh, it's, oh, wait. Well, we, actually, we got we got Jacob Barber. Let me go to Jacob Barber first. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jacob Barber wants to know, what would you say is your favorite match of all time from each division? I got this one, I think, already. I think I got yeah. this one. For me. Um, Star Wars, it's Ken and Sam, Whitwer, Iron Man. Yeah. For singles, it's Ben and Dan in Atlanta. And then for tag team, it's top 10 versus top that. And then for, what what am I missing? Intergeekdom? Yeah. It's uh, it's Rachel and Mike uh, in the throwdown. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. Star Wars, yeah, it's no doubt the uh yeah, It's, it's been the best match, match by yeah, far. Yeah, it's great. For singles, this one's tough, but... I still have a weird affinity for this match. It goes back to 2016. John Roca versus Christian Harloff. Freddie Prince Jr. is at the desk. You got, I think, John Campy. I don't know if Alice is at. I think Alice is at the desk as well. Uh, Roca busts out the blindfold on that match. You know, he goes on to beat Christian Harloff. Um, this was in the midst of Roca trying to rise rise back up you know to get his title shot so uh that match is it's great it's a great match i think there's only like a combined three missed questions between both of them in that match or something like that uh, and that was a tournament match for teams i really really love the competitive nature in which and i said it before actually wolves of steel versus above the line in that in that tournament it was it, it's phenomenal um just two top tier teams going at it and giving you everything. I mean, it's a phenomenal match. And then Intergeekdom, I agree with you. The uh, 
Rachel Cushing versus Mike Kanellowski throwdown, which Rachel wins the belt. Great moment. I mean, I was there in the studio that day for that throwdown, and uh, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal start to witness the kind of the blowout that happened, the swing that happened with the betting and and, and speed round, all of that, mm-hmm. and you're just you know because I was clearly rooting for Rachel, so I was on a very high high. And then it came right back down to earth level. And then as the, as we got to the end of that regulation, I was like, oh, boy, I don't know what's going to happen. And then the overtime, Ninka, Ninko, and it was just like jubilation. It was crazy in, in that studio that day. So, yeah, those are mine. Um, let's go to – so this is the one I don't know how to say. Um, it would Berlar, – Berlargi? Berlarge? 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 I'm sorry, man. Yeah. We did our best. <laughs> um who do you think? Who do you guys think Guy wants to team up with? He mentioned that he might that he already has three or four competitors in mind. He would like to team up with. Also, do you guys feel like the season has to be expanded now in order for factions and new players to have a fighting chance against the exchange? Um, the second one, I'll take the second one first, real quick. I don't know, um, to be honest with you, because yeah. I don't know when the season's going to start back up. So if it starts back up next month, I don't think there's any need to expand it at all. And then the other thing is the season kind of lasts the whole year anyway. So I think that it might just be a scheduling thing of scheduling the factions who haven't been serviced as much to this point. Uh, let them get more matches, and then you know back, you know, then toward the back half you can throw and exchange more and try to balance it all out. But that's a more of a question for Christian than I think for us. But um, who do you guys think that guy wants to team up with? I think that he's got his eyes on somebody in the Finstock Exchange. I mean, again, what's the mask thing about Frank? What's the mask thing about? I think Andrew Guy wants to be the guy. To team up with the other guy that he used to team up with, Ben Baben. I think Team Action is going to get reformed. That's my that's my guess. So yeah, that's there, there's there's that angle because I think they have been separated enough for long enough that now, if and when I think it's a when they do reunite, it'll have been well earned. The 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 things that they've gone through uh, separately warrants uh and also you look at andrew guy's turn that he's making i think also with because like ben as well he's not a straight up like face he's you know right. he's in between he's he's andrew guy and ben bateman are almost in the same vein now in terms of character so it kind of makes sense that they would eventually come back together as like these types of characters now so i think certainly that why wouldn't you want to play with his buddy ben again the other two players that I think would be interesting to team up with. And I don't know how you would do it, but these are just two players, right? One would be Ben Goddard. I think him playing with Ben Goddard would be great. I know he's Ben's currently teamed with Rachel, but if I'm just... Would be a good team. If I'm just, I think it would be a really good team. The other guy who's available, in a sense, who doesn't, who does not have a teammate right now, would be the Barbarian. Mm. I think... It could be a very interesting matchup. Does that mean I think Andrew Guy's going to go to the exchange? I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but could Barbarian be lured out of the exchange? It's going to take a whole lot because I think Dagnino's a very, uh, what's the word, stingy type of manager when it comes to trading away players probably. So uh, it could be interesting. But those are just some of the names that I think he would be a good fit for, that I think he would like, maybe possibly like to play with, that could benefit his own game. So in a team setting, especially, you know, definitely. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to say, really, because I've never 
asked him and I haven't really heard anything. And I don't know if he would say anything, to tell you the truth. Uh, yeah, I think those are all interesting picks, man. We'll see. I mean, he's got to get a new teammate sometime because he's he is the team's guy. He doesn't and, really have a lot of interest in singles. So and he has said somebody. his preference is teams. So mm-hmm. you got to imagine that once we get playing on a regular basis again, um, he's going to be making some moves to find a teammate. Nick Hoffman asks, what would be the ultimate I'm sorry, I love you moment in the Schmodown? And I think what he's referring to is WrestleMania 24. It was a, a Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair. You know, if Ric Flair lost, it was his. he would have to retire. Shawn Michaels, right before he's about to kick him in the face, you see him go, I'm sorry, I love you. And then he kicks him and beats him, right? So what would be the ultimate... Uh, I'm sorry, I love you moment in the movie Chase Schmodown. That's an interesting one. That's a really actually, it's more difficult than you might think. Well, um, two people that come to my mind right now is Kaiser and Smets parting ways. I think when you look at the Schmodown landscape right now. Oh, what those, would be? Oh, okay, yeah. I thought I thought I said what was, oh, what, so what, what would was, be? Okay, yeah, yeah go okay. ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think those two guys right now, if you looked at the landscape of the Schmodown, those are probably the two you would identify the most as the closest tight-knit, inseparable pair uh, duo, I, I don't. I mean, I think Merle and Roca is up there right now. That's what you know, I was thinking. The way their you know their bromance has blossomed over the past you know several dozen months or whatever. Um, <laughs> several dozen. Several months. dozen. Uh, I meant to say just several, <laughs> not dozen months. Um, although it's been a dozen, at least over a year now. So uh, any, I'm trying to th- maybe even. Roxy and the Odd Couple, you know how loyal she is to those guys. If she were to trade them yeah. away, like no, that that's one, my I th- answer. I think yeah, that one's close with the Kaiser Smats one to me. I think those are on par. Uh, to tell you the truth, um, yeah. I if think, Roxy, yeah. I'm sorry, I loved you to to the Odd Couple and traded them off or <gasps> split them up or something like that. Oh God, that is that's the number one. That's yeah. the number one. I think even more than Smets and Kaiser because Kaiser's kind of cooking up his own. Um, his own brew of oh man, what do I do? Juice when you got Robert Parker and, uh, and Kevin Smith. Yeah, gonna have to battle uh, here soon. Uh, Kristen Smith again. Uh, who do you think gets Rookie of the Year if we voted today? I think that that's actually an easy one. I think that's Ben Goddard. Ben Goddard yeah. would get Rookie of the Year. Yeah, if we voted right now. It's Ben yeah, Goddard. Yeah. And but is it? Yeah, and mm, it's, it's yeah. I mean, and look, it's because he has the audience. Because mm-hmm. Barbarian doesn't. He showed up over one match and. He has. He's been in some great cutscenes, but, but it really had to be an impression, you know. Like Robert Parker too. It's like we've only seen him once. You know what I mean in a yeah. match setting. And, and Ben's been able to go in singles. You know, perfect round one. In teams, you know, yeah, beat, that's true. And then in teams. So we got a little bit more with yeah, him. Yeah. Uh, Chris Clark asks, "How you guys been?" Christopher Rapilio Biscate Salami Fajarno Clark. Uh, eight seven eight eight. Good man. Yeah. Eight seven eight eight. Those numbers still mean nothing. Uh, Joel Juin. Uh, says any advice for somebody interested in joining the MTS commentary slash analysis? Don't business? do it. Well, brother, <laughs> don't do it, brother. <laughs> cross your heart. Hope did I? Uh, no. <laughs> um, you could join the seventeen other million podcasts that have started over the last year or last season about him, and uh, you can all take shots at the throne. But there's only one rundown. Right. Uh, no. But in all seriousness, uh, if it's something you like, just you know, do it like everyone else has. Just start a channel, start a podcast, talk about it, uh, react, um, do all the other things that you know every, all of us did at some point, and uh, and you know, get your name out there. I think that's the easiest advice I'd give. And I watch that, the matches. Yeah, watch the matches, Brad. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> no, that that's a behind the scenes thing. But one time yeah. we had to tape a, an episode, um, and it was like me, you, and like two or three other people like were on it, or two other people, and it was like an IG match, and I literally didn't have a single second to watch it. I had no idea, so I was like, yeah. "Let me just—I'm gonna go off what these guys are saying." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, maybe that's yeah. a little too behind the curtain. But it was one of those weeks where I had like reality of wrestling, then I had something Sunday, and then we used to, or, or it was something, something happened to where, oh yeah, we had reality of wrestling on Saturday. The match came out on that Friday. I didn't—I wasn't getting early releases then, so I'd have to oh, watch right. it when the match yeah, came yeah. out. And we were in a writing session that whole night, and I had to drive straight from the writing session here, and so I, I didn't get to see any of it. So anyway. Um, any, any advice for Joel? I would do not be worried about angering or placating the someone that, you know, as a fan, you know, you have to speak your truth, you know, say what you really honestly feel, because if you start putting out, um, you know, an analysis that, that looks biased, Towards one or the other, for whatever you know, whichever side you're going, whether it's positive or negative, people will see through it, and it's like it's fake. Um, some people I know think that I do do that, but honestly, I've, I'm here to tell you 100 of the, everything that I've said, have ever said, and will ever say is really what I honestly believe. And if people don't agree with it, that's fine. Like it's probably even a little bit more preferred because if everyone agrees with you. It's like, well, then where's the conversation? You don't have a conversation right. after that. So look forward to having the conversation by by speaking your truth about what you actually feel about matches and players and, and things like that. So flirt and flouse it up, man. Um, this next one was Edward Herrell, uh, Ed Haskell. Oh, no, Ed Harrell. I'm sorry. I was about to say Ed Haskell 420, but this is Ed Harrell. Yeah, but that's um, the same guy. Same guy. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what I thought. Okay, yeah. cool, yeah. Ed Haskell 420. So why I say Harold here? It doesn't matter. Um, hey, guys. And shout out to Ed, by the way, who not only left a review for my book on Amazon. Appreciate it, Ed. He bought one, an autograph from one from me. So Ed Haskell, 420, always one of the um, the biggest supporters of the movie Trivia Schmodown. This whole community, and, really, yeah. Yeah, I think that you know he's somebody who every week on when the rundown's about to start on YouTube, he's tweeting out the links. When the podcast dropped, he's tweeting out the links. When my book dropped, he was tweeting out the links. I mean, the guy is so supportive. Um, and pr- yeah, he's probably the number one supporter of, of the movie Trish. There are a lot of people out there, the, yeah. the Jake Cavettas, the, the Paul Denuzios, the I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But um, Ed Haskell 420 is way up there, my brother. Way up there. Hey, guys. With Christian filming exhibition matches and many fans asking for league matches to be filmed, even if the exhibition matches go out without a hitch, no streaming issues like lag, etc. One, is the risk still too great for league matches if streaming issues arise? And for example, them having to edit footage together. So should it be seamless? Okay. Um, he said they've edited matches before, as we've seen, when challenges are made. And if it takes right. a while to come to a final conclusion because of doing more research, you know, cursing edited out, etc. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Okay. Um, I think it's a great question, Ed. And for me, I, th- I talked about it a couple weeks ago. I'm hoping that... You know, by you know, into May-ish. I know in Texas, the governor announced today when we're doing this that we're we're going to be like full lock, stock, and barrel back to everything almost normal by the end of April. So we'll see if that works. But um, I, I floated my idea of like having socially distanced matches uh, within the same room, which is something that I think would actually be explored um, if it comes to that. If it comes to a point to where, hey, I don't know if we can have a full studio audience. 
you know, we we could figure out a way to film it. We can get creative here if if we yeah. got to. And I and I rely on Christian. I I don't think that we'll ever have league matches over a stream yard scenario like we're doing exhibition. I don't think that that's a case. Maybe it happens. I just seriously doubt it um, because you have so many variables. Yeah. I mean, even if you have a good stream and then something corrupts with one of the camera. I mean, there's so many things that could happen that I just think it would be preventative, right, Frank? Yeah, I think that is your absolute last, 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 last resort that we would have to get to in terms of online league matches, you know, um, because of all the glitches that can happen and you just want to maintain the integrity and you want to do that without uh, compromising even one iota of the, the league integrity because as much as I, I would like to believe and many others would like to say there's no one on the other side of that screen, you know, Googling questions, you just don't ever want that. I don't think it would ever happen. But you just don't want that type of thing to be floated out there because it, theoretically, someone could do that. You just don't ever want to put yourself in a position where someone could say that and you would have to say, yeah, what are we going to make the person walk around their house? You know, Even then, someone could hide in a corner. I mean, it's ridiculous to think about, absolutely. But you just don't want to compromise that in any way, no matter how ridiculous it might sound. So again... It's like the last, last, last resort, I think, that, you know, if it came to that, you know, we, we'd be in some pretty bad shape as not just the Shmodown, but like the world. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I, I wouldn't be a big fan. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Let's try to get through these remaining ones as quickly as possible. We still got a little time. You trying to say it um, too much? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rene Villarreal Jr., um, if COVID-19 doesn't let up by summer, what do you think that'll mean for the season? Do you think there will there will still be a new draft or because it, there are barely any matches, everyone will stay where they're at? I think that, um, well, first of all, if it doesn't clear up by the summer, which I'm hoping that it does, um, I still think that we're going to have matches somewhere or another. So I think that, I, mean, I don't know, has there ever, has it been, I don't think it's even been decreed that there's going to be a new draft every year. I think that's something that they're still working out, right? Yeah, Christian said, uh, I think somewhere he said he wasn't sure if we were going to have another draft or not. I think it just kind of depends how this year works out. But I certainly have ideas for for next season, how that, mm. what we could do next year. Season 8? Yeah. Mm. Have a new spin with the draft and, and faction okay. and stuff. Well, you know, keep that to yourself, though. You know what I mean? Don't give away the stuff Well, you were free, telling you know? me you want to get through these questions. You want me to give you the... the the little the bones of it. I'll give you the bones. No, of no, idea. no. I said keep it for yourself. Okay, okay. Keep fine. it to yourself. All right. You know, well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We got a lot of content to fill. We got next week. Okay. Um, Leo Logan, what free agent do you want to see get picked by a faction next year? His pick is Jonathan Harris. Um, big hmm. brother John, big little brother John. Um, free agent, free agent, free agent. Kevin Smith. See, that's the thing. Uh, Freddie this Prince. This year, with any of the- those guys with the free agent pool is you don't, it's hard to really say. I mean, Oh, obvious answer. This is a flurfin flouse. There you say go. Right, let's, let's end it right. <laughs> I, Cause I really don't know. Honestly, it's I don't just, either. You know, it's tough to say another family are out there. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Okay. Anthony Colistro, uh, for the 2021 draft, would you like to see the champions in the top team safe? Or everyone up for grabs. I'd like to see everyone up for grabs. That's what I would like to see. 
yeah, this kind of plays into my idea of what I have for next year. So I'll just say I would like to see everyone up for grabs. Yeah, I think that'd make it more interesting. Um, K.M. Franklin, do you guys even like each other? Absolutely not. No. Nah. Um, Christopher this Michael Woodburn, what does Kaiser need to do to get the dungeon hitting on all cylinders? I think have more matches, right? I mean, just have the ability to get out there and have more of his players out there. Because, yeah. he, I mean, the Brittany Young match, okay. Um, she's got promise for sure. I liked her on backstage this week. She seems like she's a big fan of the game. She's studying. She's going to be great. She's going to be good. She's going to be a really good player. Um, think, you just had Robert Parker go out there and annihilate. Yeah. You got Smets. So I think, yes, uh, stay the course because it's not – this COVID stuff really kind of throws things into a bind. So it kind of has to – you know, it's going to – Kaiser was playing a long game here, you can tell. But now that the season's actually kind of being shortened, you know, it, it kind of messes with this plan, I think. So – but you got Robert Parker, and if he can, if we do have an Interkingdom tournament, you know how many points he could possibly rack up, and then you got Smets in a title match. So, you know, the Interkingdom could all that they might need to kind of keep pace. Will it will it win them? You know, the top of the table. I I, I don't think so. But Kaiser talked about it on backstage. You know, as long as he has some hardware in his faction, that's all that that really matters. But also, they yeah, they do need some more matches because I think they're at the bottom of the barrel with a couple other teams in terms of least amount of matches played. But um, for the most part, they've actually had most of their players play anyways. So, um, Let's see. Let's go to Rick Duran. Uh, is the flirt and flouse coming to the league? And more important, how many belts will he win? Joe O'Keefe. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know how upset Christian would be if we didn't even talk about this? No, Zaflert uh, and Flaus, I think probably will play. I, you know, I'm putting it out there right now. I would like to play Zaflert and Flaus in his debut match in the league. I'm, I'm making the challenge right now. Me wow. versus Zaflert and Flaus. Uh, let's make it happen. Got some big brass ones on you, huh? Brad? Versus the Flaus, the Flaus <laughs> yeah. and the boat. Let's do it. Um, Joe O'Keefe. Once the COVID situation calms down, will West Coast Frank be doing some commentary in studio? Will we see West Coast Frank on the desk? Uh, they can't handle my talent. So, uh, in North could they afford me? I mean, they can barely afford Brad when he goes out there. Uh, you know, I, I would I would love to. But, uh, you know, I think, uh, as Christian would diplomatically say, he's got his roster set for his commentators. So. Has he said that to you? No, I think. Oh. I'm just oh, saying okay. that's what he would say diplomatically. I heard, I heard Brittany Young wants to be on the desk as well. As well. well, see, <laughs> if I was in a hit TV show, I could probably get on the desk then. Uh, well, you know, dream big. Yeah. <laughs> um, Doug Gallardo, what do you guys think about the players who have been in the league since the start who are having a hard time forming to this new sports-like league the Schmodown is trying to shape itself into, just being there for fun if it is it is cool, but it's kind of disrespectful to the other players who have been who have had fun but treat it very seriously and study for it. Um, I don't know. I mean, what, what early players don't do well? When I think of early players, I mean, Makuga maybe? Is that who he's referring to? Somebody like a Josh McCuga. Um, because Mark Riley, uh, even Dan Merle, John Roca, they're all still taking it pretty seriously and adapting well to the sports like atmosphere. Um, you know, and, and Makuga, everyone needs the bushwhacker sometimes. So I, I I don't know. I don't know. Do you have any particular answer to that? I I, I don't really because not that much has changed in terms of, of 
yes, we're introducing these sports elements, but it, it does nothing to... It hasn't changed the format of the game. You know, you still have your first, second, third rounds and what have you. You know, it's introducing factions and and point systems, things like that, and trades. That's more of the element of the sports yeah. stuff that's been infused. It really has, I feel, hasn't affected, you know, rounds one, two, or three, or, you know, title matches, things like that. So the, the other thing that has happened, the sport-like mentality in terms of, do whatever you got to do to get a, a leg up. Some players view the league more traditionally in terms of trivia, in terms of I've spent my entire life talking about movies, watching movies. Then now there are players who do that, who have done that, but also take it the extra mile, make binders and study guides and things like that. And I think maybe that's where there's the traditional versus the, the new era type of player. Um, and some just want it to be more akin to having fun back in like, you know, 2014, 15, 2016 even, that kind of atmosphere before everybody started studying up. I think maybe that's where the sport mentality of it can can ruffle some feathers for people, but you can't stop people from, you know, looking up IMDb if that's what they want to do. So it's just one of those things you're just going to have to learn to deal with it or just not play. It's kind of that simple to me. Yeah. Um, we got a lot more questions. I think we might only have time for one or two more. So I'm going to, uh, I guarantee you next week, I know we've said this before next week, Frank, we'll get back to all the other questions that we missed, but I'm going to pick out just one or two cherry pick them real quick. Um, because I thought there was a couple here that I really wanted to get to before sure. we had to wrap up. Um, let's see. Where was, here it is. Uh man, again, I'm sorry on the name here. Nabhan Faruqi. Um, that's funny. Faruqi. I, that's uh. Never mind. It doesn't matter why it's funny. It's a good name. Someone on backstage. I think it was Ben brought up the idea of having a line judge for every match, but it requires someone with decent movie knowledge, not part of any faction, and able to be at almost every match. I think Frank mostly fits the bill, but can he shed light on it? And if he thinks he'd be able to do it, I think that you and PJ were both named as potential people who could fill that line judge thing. Um, do you think that that's something that you'd be up for, that you could do? Or what do you think of the idea in general? I like the idea a lot. And this was kind of uh, sort of implemented at New York in terms of myself as a line judge. And it was mostly for making sure that that players in the first round especially were kind of keeping their eyes on their own board and not cheating and things like that. And that's what kind of I was kind of doing on the sides. And it was just for like the first round. It was never really kind of further explained upon in terms of more than that, in terms of, um, you know, if someone issues a challenge, maybe someone to kind of... I really don't know exactly what they would have in mind in terms of a line judge, but... What was floated out there was, you know, someone who can be unbiased and not take sides and be fair straight down the middle in terms of, you know, did this person get in a JTE rule under, you know, within the, the time or did this person challenge within the parameters or whatnot? Um, I would certainly be up for doing it. Absolutely. Because I, I love the game and I, lo and I love getting into the minutia and kind of because I want to see the fairest match possible because when you have the fairest match possible, then it means you probably have the most, you know, rightful winner of the match in a sense, you know. So 
I'm all for I'm all for that. And you know, if we can make that happen, that that'd be cool. Because I already you know, when I do go to the studio for matches, um, there are times when I can when I'm able to provi- provide real time stat updates to Christian and Mark Ellis at the desk. You know, let them know there's. They're they're coming up on the all time record list, or this person hasn't missed you know this many questions in the second round for this many matches. So I would like to do either. I mean, I kind of would like to do more on the stat side in terms of real time stats because I would like to bring part of. I was talking about this earlier with the the stats and stuff, making it more entertaining. Telling you after the fact is okay, but if I'm able to give those guys whoever's at the desk those real time stat updates in terms of like records they're approaching or milestones they're approaching and I can tell them right there and then in the match I think it helps the match more in terms of laying um, perspective on like Ethan Irwin didn't miss a whole didn't miss a second round question all last year like wouldn't you have liked to have known that on his last four you know his last question of the second round against uh John Roca like if he hits this he would be perfect for the entire year you know Things like that, I would I would love to be able to kind of help with the show in that regard. But I would still love to do the line stuff. That'd be cool. All right, man, that's pretty sweet. I I, th- I like the idea of the line judge. I like the idea of somebody impartial. But again, I don't like it being the same person every time. Because then, this, then here's the thing. When it's the same person every time, hmm. you're going to start figuring out a way to work the judges. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're going to know... Okay, Frank normally weighs in on this. He normally he kind of leans that way. Whenever a challenge comes down, he likes the, you know, and you can figure out their thinking. And and maybe that's a strategic advantage for competitors. And they could think, okay, I know what to challenge, when to challenge. But when you mix it up, that's not as much of a factor for the competitors. Yeah. And I like the human error. I do. I like the human error of it. I like, um, and, and I don't mind if there's like a, a, a gaggle or a squad or a flock or a school of line judges, whatever you want to use. A pod. But, um, uh, yeah, there you go. But um, I'd like to I'd like to have a rot- rotating rotating door at least, just to you know keep a, a, a sense of unpredictability about it. And yeah. that way, somebody will really blow a call, and we'll have something to talk about for like the whole week in the show. Right, exactly. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we still need that. You know, we need content, guys. Um, I think that we'll cut it there because there was a lot of uh, more. But uh, you know, we're on a little bit of a time thing today, so uh, I want to cut it there. But Frank, it's been a great week. Again, I want to shout out to everybody, all the, all the boat sailors, all the members of the hashtag Rundown Boys. That includes all you ladies out there as well. Y'all are Rundown Boys with a Z as well. Shout out to all y'all for supporting my new project, Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told. Came out. It occupied, get this, Frank, one, two, and three on the Amazon chart, which was pretty cool. The hardcover, audiobook, and the Kindle version, one, two, and three pretty sweet numbers on the board no big deal i felt like mj i felt like mj i felt like mj you know what I mean? <laughs> but um uh shout out to everybody who supported really appreciate it all if you haven't gotten it go to uh amazon.com or go to back from the future get yours and here's the thing frank it's a book that's a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told and i want to say this it's a celebration so anybody any age group from eight to eighty you could pick it up you can read it. You can enjoy it. I think it's I think it's uh, digestible for everyone. So I didn't I didn't write a soliloquy. I didn't write a dictionary. I wrote a celebration. Um, and what was cool was this week on Back to the Future the podcast on Brad Gilmore's show. I had Leah Thompson on the show. Man, wow. did you listen to it? Did you listen to it yet? I didn't know it was out yet. Yeah, I sent you the link. 
You did I had not. Leah Thompson. <laughs> yes, I did. In, did a, in really? our P Square Boys chat. In our P Square Boys chat, I sent you the link. I thought you, I thought you sent a picture of Leah Thompson. I was like, oh, that's awesome. But okay, I'll, yeah, I'll check it I out. I did. Well, I did send a picture of Leah Thompson, and then I sent the link. But it doesn't matter. Guess what she called me in the interview? Future Boy? You know what? You know what? That's going to be the tease. Y'all go Calvin listen Klein? to it. Calvin Klein? Just call you Calvin Klein? Go or listen Cal, to I'm it. Back, you must call you Cal. Back, <laughs> <laughs> go listen to Back to the Future, the podcast, the latest episode. Leah Thompson, I interviewed her on the day that my book came out. It That's was awesome. Density that brought us together. Um, but So go check that out if you haven't. Again, go get Back to the, for back from the Future, celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told. Available on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, uh, Audible, Apple Books, Indie Bound. Anywhere you get your books. It's on eBay, too. I saw it. It was on eBay. Um, randomly, somebody's selling it on eBay. So yeah, go get the me. book. It's not me. Do, do it now. <laughs> I'd do it for you. And if you want an autographed copy, hit me up on Twitter, at Brad Gilmore. Frank, anything that uh, you want to add? No? I don't know what you just said because your internet broke up. But I want to say you can find me at FrankieJ29 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and you can also find me reading Back from the Future and writing an awesome review on Amazon. Yeah. All right. For Frankie Boy Janish, a.k.a. West Coast Frank, uh, I am the boat, Brad Gilmore. And we will see you in the future. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's Nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's K-N-I-X dot com.